Hi, everybody, and welcome to the show. Nowhere in the list of greatest inventions in the past 1,000 years is something that's sports-related. I tend to overvalue sports' importance in today's society, nor do I pretend the split-finger fastball is a greater discovery than, say, Gutenberg's printing press or Edison's light bulb. Dr. James Naismith hung a peach basket, and now we have basketball. But if he never existed, something else sports-wise might have been invented in its place. We as a society are probably happy that Carl Benz helped us expand our personal mobility and our freedom when back in 1885, he had this idea for what is now the automobile. Ditto for the phone, the computer, vaccines, airplanes, and much, much more. In sports, innovations or adjustments, shall we say, have made their mark. And let's look no further than the sport of baseball. What is happening now in the game is the latest part of its long lineage of tweaks and spit shines. Remember the 1960s when pitchers had the upper hand? Baseball stepped in and lowered the mound. They gave more power back to the guys in the batter's box. And then in the 1990s, the heads in the sand of the baseball bigwigs seemed to miss the fact that sluggers were juicing with steroids. They sure loved it when the home run battles dominated the news like Sosa and McGuire and of course, Mr. Bonds. Games became slow pitch softball affairs and through it all, the games got longer and longer, way more than three hours in some cases, way too long. And young people disengaged from the game. So finally, this year, after experimenting with rule changes in the minors, the pitch clock was introduced. Other changes, well, we had the shift eliminated, we had bigger bases, fewer pickoff moves, and more. I'm going dancing tonight. Pick it up. This is why I'm excited about Major League Baseball. Getting rid of all this downtime with a pitch timer. You excited about that? Just pitchers doing what they're supposed to be doing. Pitching. Comedian. Sebastian Maniscalco helping Major League Baseball push across its point that the game will still be exciting. There will just be much less standing around, fidgeting and what have you, waiting for action. The Guardians' third game of the season in Seattle was just two hours and four minutes long. Only eight total hits, two of them home runs, excellent pitching went into that contest. The game of football has evolved Passing wasn't even an element to its earliest days. And while he himself did not invent the game itself, Mr. Paul Brown, whom the Browns are named after and remains a legend many, many years after his death, is likely the greatest innovator the game of football has ever known. Film study became a staple. That meant playbooks became paramount. 
Brown invented the face mask after star Otto Graham had his face bashed in during a game. A clear plexiglass bar protected his mouth. Brown called the plays and then he came up with a system to get the play calls onto the field. Messengers. This is from Paul Brown of Football Life. Cleveland coach Paul Brown uses his signal calling shuttle system as he sends guard Chuck Knoll into the game with the play. Until Brown, quarterbacks had always called a team's plays in the huddle, even though he had the finest passer of his era, Otto Graham. Brown called the plays himself. In 1956, Paul Brown put a radio receiver into the helmet of his quarterback, George Ratterman. Other teams caught wind of this, and in the season opener against Chicago, Ratterman had to contend with outside interference. It was used in three more games that year, and before facing the New York Giants in Gotham City, Brown announced his intention to use this helmet and the technology, but he warned the Giants they would be subjected to an FCC fine of perhaps $10,000 if they tried to interfere. Well, the Giants did no such thing. They simply listened in, and then they sent defensive calls to their Hall of Famer Andy Robustelli out on the field. They adjusted New York 1-21-9, and then days later, the National Football League stepped in and said, no more. That was outlawed. Brown, however, made his point and was way ahead of the rest of the league. Now, whereas baseball has put in the pitch clock, would we enjoy the NBA if it were not for the 24-second shot clock? That was introduced in 1954. Or how would the game of golf be today if it were not for Coburn Haskell, who in 1898 invented the modern rubber core in association with the B.F. Goodrich Company. That is when the dimples were first featured on the golf ball. And now, what, 125 years later, thanks to club evolution and stronger players, the game has come to the point where there is so much distance these guys are getting off the tee the game itself is talking of perhaps introducing golf balls that cover less than optimum distance. We're going the other way. And then the time comes when an athlete himself introduces something so radical the sporting world doesn't even know how to react. An Oregon track and field legend who we lost recently discovers it's better to go backwards in order to move forward. I was the worst high jumper on our team and in in our league. When I was in grade school at Roosevelt, I learned the scissors style, which was an old style. Got into high school where my coach tried to convert me to the classic style. I was a complete failure, went back to the scissors, and I changed it. I moved my body position in order to jump higher uh, in, and make it easier. Dick Fosbury won gold 
at Mexico City Games in 1968 with what's known as the Fosbury Flop. Soon, everybody was ditching the Western roll and using that technique, and that is used to this day. Its use is universal in the track and field world. Very emotional to return to where my victory was and, and really where the revolution began. Uh, to change the event where everyone uses my style, uh, the Fosbury flop today. And, and it was so exciting, it changed my life forever. TV coverage has given us instant replay for all sports. For football, we see those first down markers, the virtual yellow markers. We see trackers that can tell us how high Tiger Woods' nine iron went. And then we can also see how many degrees the green is sloped to one side or the other. Athletes use wearable technology to learn to be more efficient and records will continue to be broken in sports. It will still come down to the astonishing feats the great abilities of the athletes. In the same Olympics that gave us the Fosbury flop, Bob Beeman of the United States soared almost two feet farther than the existing world record in the long jump. He went 29 feet two and a quarter inches. It was almost two feet farther than anybody had ever gone. And yeah, I will say it was at high altitude, but it's still counted. They were at 7,200 plus feet up in the air. Nobody at that time could believe what Bomb Beeman did at that moment, not the least of which Mr. Beeman himself. Records set at high altitude still count, and that jump was no different. Mike Powell came along in 1991 with a jump nearly two inches longer than Beeman's, and that record remains to this day. That is it for this week's edition of Tellage Talks. If you like, don't hesitate to subscribe, rate, or review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have a suggestion, just email jrtellich at yahoo.com. And once again, a shout out to the Cooper Foundation, helping the lives of young people and those with special needs since 2015. I'm John Tellich. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you the next time around on Tellage Talks. Have a good day.